Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Cubs podcast to be named later. I am your host, Joe Kilgallen, coming at you on a very sad evening as a Cubs fan. Uh, you'll be listening to this in the morning. It'll be up Wednesday morning, November 18th. My dog's birthday. Happy birthday, Holly. She'll be seven years old. Good seven-year-old puppy. Lab boxer mix. She's a little badass. But uh, as, as all of you know, as being the diehard Cubs fans that you are, it was announced on uh, Tuesday, October, October, when I say November 17th, that Theo Epstein is resigning as president of baseball operations for our Chicago Cubs, ending a nine-year run that uh, began with the 2012 season, hired in uh, October of 2011. And um, as a lot of us in the, in the Cubs verse, uh, Cubs universe, we are, uh, you were just feeling weird. I feel like we're feeling sad, but we also are kind of just like, I, I don't, I just, I've, uh, I'm bummed. Like we knew it was coming. Theo had famously said at the beginning of his tenure that he subscribed to Bill Walsh's philosophy of after 10 years, it's good for a change for both the organization and the person in charge of the organization to keep challenges and to keep things fresh and yeah. Okay. I, um, I understand that, that, um, that actually makes a lot of sense, but as a Cubs fan, maybe it's the Chicago in me too, just, um, or baseball in general, it's a baseball fan thing to want tradition and to want, I don't know. I've always kind of wanted that one guy in charge and I've always kind of felt envious or jealous envious maybe that's not I'm jealous at least of the teams like Bobby Cox with Atlanta just those that guy was there forever like you always kind of want that person to be there for and 10 years is a good run nine years actually because Theo left a year early that's another thing too everyone he's leaving 10 million dollars on the table he said in his press conference say that he won't be getting any money for the 2021 season because he won't be there rightfully so so there wasn't any kind of hints that this was like a buyout situation. It's just, he's literally just saying goodbye to $10 million, but I, I'd imagine. And he said it was part of the equation, a small part. Um, I'll just get to this up front and then we'll really reflect on, on Theo and what he's meant to the Cubs as Cubs fans. Cause I like this podcast to be from the fans perspective, even though I know more than a lot of the baseball experts out there. Yeah, I said it, but he said that part of the equation a small part of the equation was money because someone asked him in his, the press conference he had today about the $10 million and have, is it going to be reallocated back into the team? And that seems to be the implication. Tom Ricketts was also on the call or on the, you know, Zoom calls these, uh, you know, press conferences. So it was a little confusing because the camera was on Theo the whole time, but then you hear, you heard Tom's voice, but you're like, where the hell's Tom? Um, so I don't know if he was zooming in from wherever. But uh, it was, he kind of just was like money wasn't an issue. I think he was more implying like it's, uh, we would have kept Theo for 10, you know, it wasn't, I think that's what Tom was saying to the whole idea was, was him stepping down early to be like, please save us $10 million, Theo. No, I don't think that was the case, but I'm sure Theo was like, now listen, I could, I could coast this final year of my contract, let Jed basically run the ship. And, you know, I wave to people. Not really Theo style, of course. Again, that's the thing with this guy. Just class act all the way. Just, you know, I love that he was the, it's one of those things where I, I, mean, I guess I could get to that a little later, about what I think Theo's future might entail. 
but he's a guy that sometimes I think every person who's watched this guy closely has had a thought in their mind where they're like, maybe his mind is being wasted on baseball. This guy should be helping cure something. I mean, I know he's not a doctor, but he's such a leader, you know, um, he definitely could make him be making bigger impacts in different areas where people need help. But, um, anyway, I'm sure part of the talk was if I'm going to forego this $10 million, I want you to hire back some of the people that we need to let go. Cause I just think he's a classy guy like that. And if you remember in the the season, the postseason, post postseason, end of the year, that's what I should be saying. The end of the year press conference that Theo has done, which I don't remember Jim Hendry ever doing. And that's not knocking Hendry, but I don't remember I don't recall a lot of GMs doing this postseason, you know, let's end of the year, let's recap everything that happened, thing that Theo always did. And I think his fans were really just didn't appreciate the transparency that he had. Cause I don't, I don't really know of that being a thing with other organizations. Anyhow, I think um, he was kind of broken up about the Cubs, you know, had to let go of like a hundred employees. And I think that really bumped Theo out. And Theo is a guy that's look, he's got a lot of money. Um, I imagine he's, you know, we know he made $10 million a year, which is great, but I imagine he's also made money in different other endeavors too. You know, I, I, he's such a sharp, the guy graduated from Yale with a degree in economics. I would imagine his money's working for him in different ways. I'm sure he's made some great investments. So it sounds like Theo, he wrote this amazing letter that everyone it's free on the athletic right now. So if you go to the athletics website and, you know, click on Cubs, it should be right underneath there. I actually recently got a subscription to the athletic so far. I'm liking it. It's pretty good. Um, but, uh, in the letter, he just basically wrote a letter to the whole Cubs staff organization. He wanted them to hear from him first, why he's stepping down. And it does make sense. It does that. Let Jed get a, you know, a giddy up on this head start. Let Jed really be like, all right, cool. Now, you know, without Theo looking over his shoulder, which I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's Jed. I think Jed's earned that right. Uh, Theo actually mentioned that Jed was the one that said, make the Orioles throw in Pedro Strope too, in that famous Arietta trade. So it's like, all right, all right, I'd like to hear that. Um, definitely deserving of the position and in very sharp baseball mind as well. So I it just, it sucks. I was, I, I joked on Twitter a little bit ago saying that if this is, this was feel like the Beatles breaking up feels in, the, in our own Cubs world, of course. I mean, obviously Theo Epstein isn't the freaking Beatles. Um, but to, to us Cubs fans, he was, this was a guy that in his opening press conference, when the Ricketts hired him and you do have to give respect to the Ricketts for hiring Theo, because if they were truly being a cheap organization, they could have just hired, you don't, they didn't have to go out and hire a Theo Epstein. That was the big, he's the big, at the time he was the biggest name out there. Now, I think I, I believe I've said on different, on a previous podcast that, my fandom of Theo started well before the Cubs hired him. Now, obviously, I admired the Red Sox breaking of their curse back in 2004, and I knew Theo was like everyone was raving about this 28-year-old GM who just you know did the unthinkable. But I read a book called Mind Game. And I forget who it's by. I think it's from some of the baseball prospectus people. And it basically details how Theo Epstein put together that team and it had a lot of really cool Theo stuff. And it was like, it blew my mind. I read this book maybe 06, I want to say, 2007. And from that point on, I'm like, man, I want the Cubs to get a guy like this. 
you know, the Moneyball book had come out a few years before. So a lot of this sabermetrics was starting to enter the mainstream, especially if you were like a pretty diehard baseball fan. Like it was already in that world. And I remember being like, damn it, we could get a guy like this. And then when, you know, the end of his tenure with Boston, the whole, like the team just had that epic collapse in September, which is weird because they had a lot of talent. I mean, most of that team came back and won a World Series two years later. So that, let me correct that too. I saw most of the fans on Twitter were great, as they should be. They were grateful and appreciated what Theo had accomplished here. And that's what this should all be about. It should be about just thanking what he has done for the Chicago Cubs organization. Because I'll tell you this right now, as someone who's bled Cubby Blue my entire life and in a borderline mental disorder, mental illness obsession of them since the age of six or seven, maybe five even, the Cubs fans never said stuff like, we need to hold on to our prospects. If there was a chance to flip him for someone better, it was get rid of no, this guy's going to end up being the next, you know, guy who's going to uh, Mike Balecki or the next this guy or the next guy, you know, every name that you heard of every few years that fizzled away. So and then the idea of you pay for a player's future, not their past. I'm seeing all of these phrases all over social media and, you know, message boards these last four to five years. And I'm like this. That's the Theo effect. Fans never said shit like that. They didn't care. They weren't that in tune with it. I mean, yeah, there were some, but the, this idea that it became like general, it was general thinking. And he has us in a dangerous spot too as a fan base. And, and I mean, like, I think he's in, us in a great spot. Let me clarify. I don't want anyone listening to me like, well, what do you mean? I mean, thinking that rebuilds happen the way that this one did. The way Theo's rebuild happened in the, in the first five years of his career as a cub and this again going back to his opening press conference saying baseball is better when this better than that better than this and here's what we're gonna do that's why i always love theo he was honest he came right out and said this is what we're gonna do and i think i went the long way around to give ricketts the ricketts family credit tom ricketts in particular credit for hiring theo when he became available because this guy was clearly the best guy and you go out and you got a theo epstein which was awesome and I remember just being like so pumped up. That's when I stopped knocking on wood. When the Cubs hired Theo Epstein, I stopped being superstitious as a, as a baseball fan. And it's kind of carried out throughout my whole, whole life now. I was ridiculously superstitious, knocking on wood, getting mad at announcers for saying something that I feel like affected the game. If the Cubs were doing well, I would not leave my seat. I would eat the same food every day. I was a freak. And then, you know, I'd read the book about Theo, you know, mind game, like I told you about. And I'm just like, no, no more of this. We're a smart team now. We have smart people in charge. There's no more of this like black cat bullshit or Billy Goat nonsense. This is a new era of Cubs baseball. And I love the honesty. I love that he said, hey, look, the lot needs to change. We need to build this organization, rebuild this organization from the ground up. But he has fans thinking like that rebuilds work. They don't. I mean, they do, but they don't as eat as the way this one did. Because I've been hearing people being like, just rebuild again. I'm like, well, uh, there's no guarantee. I can give you plenty of teams over the last decade and a half, two decades that have rebuilt and did it well and still didn't get a ring. Up until this year, you could have said that with the Dodgers, although the Dodgers didn't rebuild. What am I saying? The Dodgers have had the best farm system in baseball since Jackie Robinson. 
So yeah, I didn't mean him, but like the Rangers went to a couple world series earlier in the decade, nothing to show for it. The Detroit Tigers were rebuilt very strongly. Um, like the 05 to 11 or 2006 to 2011 Tigers had a real nice run there. No world series to show for it. The New York Mets who swept us in 2015, they were supposed to be a powerhouse. I remember when those, the Cubs and Mets met, they were like, here's one team, the Cubs built on offense. Here's another team, the Yankees built on pitching. Let's see. And everyone was like, see, that's why you build on pitching. One year later, Theo's got the freaking crown above his head. World series title Mets nowhere to be found. Although there's rumors are going to be ringing his, uh, knocking on his door, ringing his doorbell. You know what I mean? Mets and Phillies. But that was what was nice to see. A lot of fan bases were like, I want him. I want him. Rockies fans. I want him. I want him. Everyone knows. And, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, negative things about Theo these last couple of years from people. And it's like, you just have had it too good. And I do think there was a segment of the fan base that didn't like Theo because they were intimidated by his intelligence. He made them feel insecure. I really do think that's a thing. I've noticed in other areas of the world other areas of life. And then I noticed it with Theo. Cause I'm like, Oh, it applies here. Of course. Someone comes in, everyone tells you this person's really smart and you go, well, really? And then they make a mistake and you go, see, see, that's what's smart now. And it's really just you being insecure about your shit and projecting it. I don't know where I'm not a psychologist. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think that's what happened. But yes, he immediately changed the culture. Fans speak differently. Now they expect more now. And I think that, and that's a great thing. It's a great thing. I, I know I, I've had my spats with Cubs Twitter. I love that the expectations are high. I love that diehard Cubs fans who tweet about the Cubs all day long are saying, no, I want more. You should want more. My gripe was always with the Cubs fans who we go down to nothing in the first inning and they're like, game's over. This is bullshit. Like, it's like, are you new to base? That's not how baseball works. We could score four in this next frame. Like, what do you... That was uh, too much for me. I couldn't deal with people like that because you're not true blue. You're not, you're not a real believer. I think those are like the fans that aren't really fans, but they like an identity of being a fan. You know what I mean? Football has way more of that than baseball because baseball is every day. You got to want it. You, if you're going to really participate and be active as a baseball fan, you, I always, that's why I always thought baseball fans were the most intelligent. Football's too easy. It's once a week. I remember I used to, you know, back back in the glory days when you could go to bars, I'd go to a bar to watch the Bears game every Sunday. And there was always a few people where I'm like, they're not watching the game. They're cheering when everyone else is cheering. They're here for wings and beers and to see some friends. And that's great. I'm not knocking that. That's a good thing, too. But, you know, you're not going to ask them what they thought. Who would you think of that coverage? Like, they don't know. But I'd, but I'd imagine those people aren't tweeting about them. Maybe they are. Who knows? That's, that's just a pet peeve of mine on social media. People who don't know what the hell they're talking about. But that's not what this is about. I just wanted to pop on here for not too long, but because um, I'm doing a podcast later in the week, everyone. I, I, I'm now a contributor on uh, ontapsportsnet.com, ontapsports, which is a Chicago website focusing on Chicago sports and some pop culture stuff. I'm uh, one of the panelists on the Cubbies on Tap Pet. On tap, I can't talk. What is wrong with me today? Damn it. Cubbies on Tap podcast. A long day. I had a long emotional day. This Theo news sucks to me, man. I, I was really hoping. I, I know I started to make this point earlier. Like I started to make 19 points and went one way or another because my brain's all over the place. But I really was hoping that Theo would break his 10-year rule and think like, no, it's Chicago. I love it here. My family loves it here. We, we want to be here. This is, 
because again, I was always, I just loved the idea of like the Yankees have had Cashman forever. And just the idea of just that's our guy. We have him and he's one of the best in the game. Even if he's not the best in a particular season, you know, he's always one of the best in the game. And he is, he's the best GM front office, whatever you want to say of my lifetime. I'd have to really dig into the nineties, but like from, from the time he entered, let's just say this from his first season in 2003 to now he's been the best. Um, three rings, really a big part of the Red Sox 2013 and 2018. So you could almost say partial rings there. That's what I was going to say with, uh, you know, I know when, at the time when he became available in 2011, after that end of the disastrous end of that Red Sox season, a lot of, there were Red Sox fans who were like, well, we got to move. There people get mad to get bitter, but I know so many who even a year or two later, or especially when the Cubs hired him after like some time, they were like, you got a good one. Like you got a great one. And I've seen tweets say saying, come home, come back to Boston. We miss you, Theo. Come home. Cause then they knew after some time went by, they're like, we thought he set us up for disasters. He was leaving. Yeah. There was a couple contracts there that didn't work out, but again, people need to realize with free agency, there's no guarantees. One of the big free agent blunders with the Red Sox was Carl Crawford. Carl Crawford was the shit. That guy was one. Everyone talks about exciting players now, like for Fernando Tatis and those guys. Who I think Fernando Tatis projects higher than Carl Crawford ever did. But Carl Crawford was exciting as hell. He was coming off like a six and a half, seven WAR season, I believe. And yeah, he was hitting thirty, which usually for speed guys is kind of like eh, I don't know. But he had a good enough bat, high contact bat, a guy who hit triples, doubles. Uh, wouldn't hit for a ton of power, but hit fifteen to twenty home runs. Great defense. I just didn't. No one saw him falling off a cliff that way. Every team in baseball wanted Carl Crawford. They all did. And it just didn't, he just was bad. It was, that was a weird thing. You know, that sometimes it happens. You can make the right signing. And something like 50% of all major signings, meaning like over this amount of dollars, have failed. Free agency is a crapshoot. So whenever people are like, there's a couple of bads, I'm like, yeah, every, every, front office has a bad signing or two or three that's just over the course of 10 years or nine years i could count the bad signings on one hand and like truly bad too meaning like i don't get why you did that you know i might reflect further maybe i'll do one where we break down his best moves his worst moves my buddies at the san ranto podcast they went live today i caught some of it so uh good job there boys they uh did his best moves in and worse moves and all that. I think I want to just focus more on the cultural impact Theo had on the Cubs. Um, finishing my point about the 2011 Red Sox, his last draft, Theo's last draft before coming over to the North side with the Red Sox, he directed Jackie Bradley Jr. Made a few all-star appearances, big part of a championship team. And Mookie Betts in the fifth round. And Boston was never drafting high. This idea that, like, yes, he hit on most of the higher picks with the Cubs. Chris Bryant, of course. Schorber was a hit. Um, Ian Happ. So, like, I think Nico's going to be a good one. Everyone's like, oh, it's easy to draft early. I mean, not. it's not always, actually. Like, there's a ton, this isn't basketball or football where you know what. If you get a top 10 pick, you're probably going to get someone who's going to be, a, you know, a very solid player, damn well near an all-star. No, not really. Go go back when you have some time. Look at the f- top third. Look at the first round. Look at the whole first round 
of the last 20 years and look at all the names you never heard of, never heard of so many. It's hard to draft in baseball. Were there a couple drafts that weren't, that didn't pan out? Yes, there were, there were, but it comes in waves. And the Cubs also had so many players that they, you know, I mean, Javi was drafted by Hendry, Contreras was signed by Hendry, but Theo's, they, we developed those guys. Javier Baez, do we forget this? Javier Baez was like getting 35 to 40 errors in the minors. He was a mess of a shortstop, an absolute mess. And that swing when he first came up here, look, obviously he still is prone to chasing that outside slider. And, you know, I try not to put too much stock in the 2020 season because it was such a weird-ass year. But complete night and day. That crazy swing, and then you looked, he had some really productive years. Obviously, 2018 MVP runner-up. In 2019, if he didn't miss that final month, probably would have hit like 35 home runs and over 100 RBI again, uh, not to mention stellar defense. His uh, OPS plus and uh, WCR plus was only about like 120 that year, so it wasn't as stellar as the season before because you know he doesn't walk a lot. But again, Contreras was a third baseman, moved him to catcher. I'm counting this. And then when we talk about not developing pitching, I'm counting. Why is it Kyle Hendricks count? Because the Rangers drafted him. Yeah, they drafted him. He was an A ball for them. And we brought him to our A ball. If you come up from A ball with an organization, they developed you. You're their guy. We told Arietta, fuck yeah, throw that cutter again. I, so, I mean, and also it seems like a fine strategy. Right now in all of baseball, the Cubs have the two best pitching contracts. Sorry, I just shook my mic there. The two best pitching contracts in all of baseball in you, Darvish, and Kyle Hendricks. Bunch of money's opening back up. I've talked about in previous podcasts after 2021. Yes, this is a tough year coming up. And some might say maybe Theo wanted to bounce for that reason. I don't know. I think he's earned the right, though. He's earned the right. Maybe he thought, yeah, I don't want to have to do all this shit. And maybe it is easier for transitional purposes to let Jed make these moves. And maybe Jed will just say, you know what? I'm not I'm not getting any trade offers for Chris Bryant. And where we are and where we want to be, the best move is to not tender him, which would be crazy. I video this as well, so I don't know if you'll see this part of the video. But I have a Chris Bryant life-size cutout that I think my mom stole from a bar, to be honest with you, in right behind me. I'm a big Chris Bryant fan. And there'll be a day when he's wearing another uniform and that'll suck. And it'll be a thanks for the memories. You know, this is part of being a sports fan. And it, it's it's the worst part, really. Obviously, you root for the team. But these players, the ones that win, the ones that you win with will always be special. That's why with like uh, when you buy a jersey of a player, because the jer- jerseys are expensive, right? These things aren't cheap. You really want to make sure that someone's going to have lasting impact. I have a Giovanni Soto jersey. That was a dumb purchase. <laughs> He's a rookie of the year. I thought I was getting a good value. Um, but anyone, if you have any jersey from a Cubs World Series, that's going to be great forever. That's the that's the rule with championship teams. Now, I, I see a guy rocking a Dustin Bufflin jersey from the Blackhawks. I go, great sweater, my man. Going to be there forever. That's, those ones will last forever. So, yeah. So, when those players start to peel out, it does suck. And you know what cures that? Winning. Winning cures that again. And there's a bridge. And that's why I really think this year you're going to see the Cubs look to be competitive. And I think you can do that without adding payroll. Everyone thinks, well, if they're not going to add payroll. And, and I do think if they're not going to, if they're just going to cut for the cutting's sake and we're seeing, you know, 4A type players all over the diamond, then do a real, yeah, then yes, do a real 
rebuild, meaning trading Darvish and possibly and Hendricks, because they both have three years left. And if you're completely punting the 2021 season where you're like, we're not even going to try to be competitive, then you only have two years left after that. Like, why wouldn't you just, then you, you sell them. That's the only move that makes sense. I guess I don't want to get an off season stuff. I wanted to talk about Theo, but I was going to say like the Red Sox, like departing from them. Some people, it took them a little bit to realize he did leave the Red Sox in better shape. I'm telling you guys as Cubs fans, he's leaving us better than he found us way better than he found us. Do you guys know that there were stories that Cubs scouts didn't even have fucking cell phones when he took over. We were a joke of an organization at every level. As fans, you don't know that stuff because you just like, we see the product on the field and we see a great ballpark. You know, we know when the product on the field sucks, but we don't know the, we don't know how bad the facilities are in Arizona. We don't know how bad, like, um, just like computers. <laughs> they were like, what are they, Dell's? Who knows what they had in there? I think Dell's actually a better brand now. I don't know why I chose Dell to make fun of, but still, you know what I mean? It was like things like that where you're like, wow, you guys are in the wrong decade. Completely transformed all that. And and that side was was great. I mean, yeah, there were some weird occurrences along the way that made the budget go up, and and maybe Tyler Chadwell wasn't the right signing, and I don't know. There was a weird thing there where all of a sudden that one off season was like no more spending, which makes and I really do believe it's because the 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 renovation budgets we all know famously went way over. the The joke was it went one hundred percent over budget, where it's like it was five hundred million. So you mean it cost a billion? You guys doubled it. And I think that bled over to the baseball budget. And that's made it seem like, all right, what the hell? I was told I was going to have X amount of dollars. And now it's just, because when you look at it, the Cubs in his nine seasons only went over the luxury tax three times. They went way, way under it the first three years of the rebuild while still drawing pretty good attendance. So I, you know, they're making, you know, shit ton of money there. I just think you earn the right to give during a rebuild. You go way under during the bad years, but then when you're competing in that window, you go for it and you spend. So this idea that like, Oh, you know, you didn't know what to do with the, but like, I don't know. I just feel like that was totally overblown. Totally overblown. I don't know. I'm just, I'm bummed. I'm bummed. You knew this day was coming. That's what everyone's been saying all over the place. You knew eventually he was going to leave, but I just think, I don't know. I want a statue. I, I, yeah, why not a statue for a front office executive? Hell yeah, I want that. A flag on top of the roof. Just some stuff to just let people know Theo Epstein was here. If they're going to name any parks around the city of Chicago, though, they'd be called Theo Park because that goddamn Jeffrey Epstein really ruined his last name. How much does that suck? I wonder if you're like you're part of the Theo Epstein family. Are you thinking to yourself, this motherfucker, this pedophile piece of shit? I hope someone hangs him and then it happened. And then you're thinking, you know, good. Good because he ruined our last name. If there was some guy named Kilgan with a private island doing creepy ass shit, it'd be really, it'd really piss me off. But all right, I wanted to, I wanted to do about thirty minutes with you guys. I'm sorry if I was all over the place and totally just no real, you know, I don't know, no stream of thought. Is that the fuck I'm trying to say? Who knows, Joe? Who knows? I'm rocking my Cubs World Series championship. That's another thing too. Everyone out there, look at that Cubs World Series memorabilia you have, and you know who to thank for that. That's what I'm calling this podcast. I'm calling it Thank You, Theo. Because, man, we are just so lucky to have had that guy running this ship. And I know he's going to be successful in whatever he does next. That's the thing, too. That's that's when you know you're a confident, 
successful person when you could be like, I'll walk away from 10 million during COVID 2020 crazy bullshit year where so many things are not certain. Although these, this vaccine information from both, um, what the hell's the one called Pfizer and Murta. No, that's not it. Why can't I think of the name of the other fucking one? MRSA? No, I don't know what it is, whatever, but there's two vaccine test runs. The one was 90%. One was like almost 95% effective. So that's encouraging. If they could get them all distributed by April, maybe baseball starts May 1st to be smart. Cubs could open up the checkbook a little bit. Hmm? I'd love to see that. But this is this the, I mean, he can go on the lecture circuit. Dude, if people are paying fucking jerk off politicians to give the speeches for 75 grand a pop, Theo's pulling six figures for giving commencement addresses and showing up and talking to your dumb boardroom. It's for damn sure. He'll probably write a book, get himself a sweet book deal. His, his grandfather wrote Casablanca. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a lot of lot of great things. So many positive things coming out of the Theo Epstein organization. I just love a guy who set out. He came out and said, we will win a World Series. Here's the plan. Straight up told us how it's going to be and delivered. Absolutely delivered. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, just nothing but grateful. I, I again the 2016 World Series. You know what I'm excited for? 2026 when they do an anniversary. How badass is that gonna be? I want it to be like we don't think Theo's gonna be there. All right. There's like, oh, he couldn't do it. You know what I mean? He's governor of Massachusetts, he's busy. I don't know. I'm throwing that out there. And uh, and then out of nowhere, I want to hear like uh like like Eddie Vedder singing Better Man or something. And then uh, I don't know. Better man's not a pump up song. So maybe they, I don't want to hear Stone Cold's glass shattering, right? And then and then Theo just comes walking out with like a strut. I don't know if he's a wrestling fan, but I want something like that. And I want a standing ovation to the likes of which Wrigley Field has never seen. That's what I want to see. And I'm gonna end on that. I'm gonna end on that. Um, let's keep our heads up, Cubs fans. Because I'm very, I'm very happy that he's walking away in his own terms. It would have been very, very sad if after the 2021 season he was like, I want to come back. Um, you know, because that was part of the sadness with Joe Madden. As much as that was the right move, and I, again, I'll always love Joe Madden. I got an autographed picture of him with KB up on my wall right over there. Um, it, it was time. And um, where am I going with this? It, it, was, it, was, it was time, but you did feel a little sadness because you felt like Joe didn't want to stay. Although he later kind of was like, it was time. It, it, you know, leading up to it, it seemed like he wanted to stay and, and sign a new deal. So Theo leaving on his terms, it would be bad. How awful? I don't even want to think about it, but wouldn't it have been terrible if it's a press conference a year from now and it's Tom Ricketts saying we've decided to part ways and it's like, what? You know, that that would have been really bad. Because um, I just think uh, I just think a guy like that, it's, it's, he's always looking to the next thing. And, and that's why I, when people were like, oh, it looks like we fell behind in a couple areas. I'm like, we'll come roaring back and be better than ever. And the pitch lab, all this kind of stuff that, you know, all the new hitting infrastructure, all these things are going to pay such big dividends. I'm telling you, we are going to have another World Series ring. And so many of us are going to be like, this has Theo's fingerprints on it. But we will give credit to Jed, of course. Uh, but we definitely will understand that it was a lot of that Theo Foundation. You know, so I, yeah, people like this guy, 
Um, that, that, that's why, that's why, like, you know, the manager, managers get stuck in their ways. If I'm a White Sox fan, I'm not feeling good about Tony LaRusso hiring. You know, you're, and, and the DUI obviously is bad too. But like, there's some things where you're just like, yeah, there's a change there. But with a sharp base, he's only 46, Theo. I don't think he's one of those guys where he's already saying, he even acknowledged in his press conference today about wanting to get back to the game and and some of what people like him, the analytics guys, did to the game isn't maybe it's efficient, but maybe it's not the best entertainment value. And he's hinting at the whole high strikeouts, the three true outcomes thing, which a lot of people subscribe to. And some teams are slowly getting, getting away from that, which I think Theo did too. If you look at his top two draft picks from the 2018 draft, Nico Horner and Brennan Davis, both those guys are high contact bats. So I think they knew, and he knew the balance. I think he wanted the balance. And I think he thought a couple of these Cubs guys would, which Chris Bryant did. Chris Bryant was striking out 30% of the time as a rookie. And by 2017, 2018, three years later, he was down to 22%. Now it ticked back up this year. But 22 to 20%, you figured he was getting better each year. And so I think they knew that. I just think a lot of the core not peaking too early, which is weird. I think that's some of the stuff, you know, sometimes you win a World Series, you get complacent. I I don't know if it's like, I, I don't want to ever accuse, I think these guys do give a shit and they were motivated more than ever. And maybe that started to put more pressure on them to duplicate the success. And so, you know, there was just, there was some stuff that happened along the way. And I know I wanted to end it on that previous positive note there. And, of course, my brain has to keep going. That's why we miss bars. Don't we miss bars right now? Why don't you be at the bars with your buddies right now? Well, I got a Miller Lite right next to me right now. A Lester Light. Kudos to John Lester. I'm going to take a good sip right here. Maybe you guys can hear it. Well, Theo, you said today in your press conference that when you run into any Cubs fans, you're buying the beers until Jed wins, and then he'll buy the beers. My man. You put your wallet away in this town. If you're anywhere in the 606, you put that wallet away. Because as Cubs fans, we are forever in debt to you. And we are forever grateful. I'd wish you luck in whatever you do next, because, but I know you don't need it. The way you made it so that I stopped being a superstitious Cubs fan, because I'm like, no, I'm going to trust the smart people we have in charge of this team. I am... I don't need to wish you luck. It's hard work. It's it's having a goal and working your ass up towards that goal that you've inspired me in my personal life. And as Cubs fans, you we again we can't. I know I'm just repeating myself now at this point. We can't thank you enough. You've changed the culture. We now expect a winner. We expect October baseball. And to quote my man, the Dom, it's just different here. It's just different here. You said that yourself. And, uh, and, and there's a Cubs way now and it's no longer lovable losers. You buried that with the goat and all these other super stupid, super, I was going to say superstitions. What am I, Elaine from Seinfeld? But again, Theo, you changed everything. You changed everything. I was reading tweets from people who's parents saw them win a world series and then they died shortly after and you gave them the joy you laid the foundation down and brought in a hell of a group of players that again stories will be told told about them and you for decades to come and again as cubs fans we can't thank you enough we just cannot thank you enough so uh go theo it will forever be your league 
Go Cubs.